It's Medicare annual election period time. Anytime between now and December 7th, you can change your Part D plan. You can change your Medicare Advantage plan. If you're trying to go from Medicare Advantage to Medigap, you need to go about it in the correct order. Check out videos on the YouTube channel. Subscribe to Jay's Corner for further details. Let's get started. Welcome to Jay's Corner. My name is Jay O. I am the Certified Financial Planner. I'm also the author of Maximize Your Medicare, the published book. Jay's Corner is there to try to explain how certain financial matters work, to try to help you separate the signal from the noise, so that when something changes, you're not distracted wrongly, and instead, keep your eyes on the ball, which is tough to do given the way that we are given information. There's a free and paid newsletter. Go to jo.substack.com. There are two YouTube channels, Jay's Corner, as well as Maximize Your Medicare. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you digest your podcast. Be sure to leave your comments. Let's begin. Hi, everybody. My name is Jay O. I am the author of Maximize Your Medicare, available anywhere you can get a book. It's annual election period season right now. It started October 15th. It'll run through December 7th. Now, what you can do during this period is if you are a Part D member, if you are a Medicare Advantage member, you can make unrestricted changes between now and December 7th. The last one that you select will be the one that goes into effect beginning on January 1st. There are a lot of changes. There are more plans. A dizzying number of combinations exist. If you want individualized, private, objective guidance, feel free to click in the link below the video. That's enough of the commercial. I get asked to speak about Medicare and the interactions across a large number of financial planning topics in many different locations. State Bar of Michigan, financial planning groups, Institute of Wealth and Investments, and to everyday people. I got questions from all different types of perspectives. It's impossible to hit every single audience all at once. What I'm going to do here is I'm going to replay the interview from this past Wednesday with Gene Chatsky, the Alliance for Lifetime Income, on something on a show called The Money Map which was broadcast on LinkedIn and Facebook simultaneously. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to break in and add extra comments that I intentionally left out in the interest of time for that particular broadcast. This happens all the time because the fact is that sometimes I've given a certain amount of time to make my points and then we need to move on. For example, yesterday I was on KDKA which is a you know the largest radio station in Pittsburgh. Excellent question were being posed by Rick Dayton, who's the radio show host. Nevertheless, we had seven minutes. The number of things that I could possibly point out are is limited in seven minutes. Shout out to him, by the way. Excellent questions. All right, let's get to Jean Chatsky and then see what she had to ask me. And then I'm going to break in on a periodic basis. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Your Money Map, sponsored by the Alliance for Lifetime Income. I'm your host, Jean Chatsky. Very glad to have all of you along with me today. We have a very interesting topic to dig into today. We are going to be talking about Medicare. And 
everything you need to know in order to get the most from Medicare. It is a complicated decision. Do you want Medicare Advantage or do you want original Medicare with a Medigap plan? Do you need to sign up for Medicare if you're still working when you close in on your 65th birthday? There are lots of rules. There are lots of um, lots of strict lines that you have to follow, but we're really fortunate today to have J.O. back with us. Uh, we asked Jay, who is a certified financial planner, a chartered life underwriter, a chartered financial consultant, and a licensed insurance producer to come back with us because he was on the program last year. It was an incredibly popular episode. You all had many Medicare questions, which he was willing to answer. He's back to do the very same thing today. And I don't want to forget to mention that he is the author of a top-rated, top-selling book on the topic entitled Maximize Your Medicare. It's all about understanding Medicare, protecting your health, and minimizing costs, which in these inflationary times, I know sounds like music to my ears, and I'm sure sounds like music to many of yours. Let's bring him in and say hi, Jay. Oh, welcome. Thanks for having me again, Jean. My privilege. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming back. And one of the uh, one of the exciting things that we get to talk about today is that we actually have some good news for people um, when it comes to Medicare and when it comes specifically to Medicare premiums. So why don't we start there? Let's do the let's do the good news first. But before you dive in. Let me also remind everybody that we love this show to be a conversation. So whether you're watching on Facebook, whether you're watching on LinkedIn, if you've got a question for Jay, if you've got a question for me that I can then defer to Jay, um, please just put it in the chat in the comments uh, and I will be monitoring that throughout the show and I'll be um, pulling your questions in as they as they appear. So. Um, so Jay, good news first, costs are going down, yes? That is right. The base case for Part B premium is actually going to be lower going into next year. It was delayed. In fact, it could have possibly been that premiums were lower this year after the fact due to the cost reduction of an Alzheimer's medication, which is covered by Part B. Nevertheless, yes, certainly higher Social Security payments as a result of COLA, lower Part B premiums for 2023. How big a difference is this going to make for people who are living on Social Security? It is marginal, to be candid with you. I want to say $164 and change going into next year. So it is marginal. There are other bigger legislative changes that have occurred, which will be more notable in terms of savings for people in 2023. Let, let's talk about those as well while we're while we're talking about the good news. I, I know that there has been um, there have been considerable headlines made um, that as part of the Inflation Reduction Act, um, 
the government's going to be able to uh, negotiate for costs on the 10 most popular drugs or the 10 uh, 10 drugs that we spend the most money on. I'm not exactly sure how that's going to shake out. Can you tell us about that? Yes, that is certainly the headline news, which is negotiation by the federal government with the pharmaceutical companies. And the list is going to start at 10 and is going to gradually increase to 20 over a three-year span. The implementation of that is, is going to be not until 2026. And in addition to that, there is going to be pushback, which has already started from pharmaceutical companies. Nevertheless, the good news will, will begin right away in 2023 for persons who are already Medicare enrollees. For example, and vaccination. And what form is that going to take? Sure. So, Gene, what's going to happen is that I think that I, call, I have called uh, the Inflation Reduction Act big win for Part D, which is that vaccinations, for example, are going to be free. And while we're used to that from COVID, what seniors are not, people on Medicare are not used to is the idea that other vaccinations, for example, shingles, which is a $500 a year, two shot a year type of vaccination, that is going to be no cost for persons enrolled in Part D, or persons that have prescription drug benefits inside a Medicare Advantage plan. It does not come with the federal card. It comes with the Part D. It goes gotcha. on from there. And for me, the highlight is in 2025, there's going to be a hard cap on out-of-pocket expenses for prescriptions struck at $2,000 adjusted for inflation, which is just an enormous matter because currently, you can certainly hit 7,400 plus and then pay 5% from that spot. So to that to be lowered to a fixed number, a known number, is just a tremendous development. And, and what will qualify and who will qualify for that? So, you know, we've, we've, if you have cancer and you need uh, a, an expensive chemotherapy regimen? Are we talking about those kind of drugs as well? No, we are not. We, most of the time when you are taking um, chemotherapy and it's in medication form, you go to a medical setting, a healthcare setting that is covered by part B for boy. Okay. I'm talking about part D. C where you go to the drugstore and you pay anyone with a Part D plan or anyone with prescription drug benefits inside their Medicare Advantage plan will have the benefit of this $2,000 a year cap. I can, I can see how that adds up quickly. Um, we've got a question coming in from Janet, as well as some hellos from around the world, which I always love to see, by the way. Hi, hi in Portugal, Portugal, as well as in Chile. Um, but Janet wants to know the $2,000, does that um, is that for people who fall into the donut hole? And can you explain the donut hole if, if this is a workaround? Sure. So <clears throat> The donut hole today is a complicated term. It has to do with the way that 
you are the cost sharing, what you're responsible for, for prescription drugs, depending on how much you have paid when you go to the drugstore and you go to the you know cash register. There is a tier called the coverage gap where you get a 75% discount and you are responsible for 25%. The reality is in 2025, that entire structure is going to be overhauled basically taken over by the idea that there's going to be a hard cap at $2,000, again, adjusted for inflation. So by that time, it could be higher. The answer to that could be yes. Um, but it's not based on your income. If you're on Medicare, this is something that will apply to you. That is correct. Uh, that said, the IRMA, which is is adjusted, for your income. And that is added to the Part B premium. There's a separate one for Part D or prescription drug premium, depending, which is income dependent. Just define IRMA for those of our listeners who've never heard it. It's income related Medicare adjustment. So basically, what happens is since the IRS Social Security Administration, Medicare, all working together. They're taking your modified adjusted gross income from two years ago and could be assessing an IRMA for both Part B and Part D on top of whatever your the base case premium would be. So Janet is responding and, and she's, an, she's an MBA who's watching. She says, that's wonderful. So many patients have an issue with this that they don't anticipate when enrolling in Medicare Advantage plans. I know, Janet, you are absolutely right. This is, this is very, very good, very good news. Um, your point about IRMA and your point about income when enrolling in Medicare is an important one. When when people are in their early 60s and they can see the potential of getting Medicare approaching in the next couple of years, mm. what kind of planning do they need to do? And when do they actually start need start having to make significant moves? I know we are right now in the fall, heading right into what we call open enrollment. And this is this is the time to make some changes. But often the planning has to be done even before that. Can, can you talk us through it? It's a complicated question you've asked, Jean. Uh, yes, the issue is that since there's IRMA and since that is related to your income tax, your taxable income, the issue is, is when you're going to realize taxable income, and that does require for certain persons advanced planning, because you can understand that people have their retirement savings in qualified funds, 401k, IRA. There are other you know, strategies that are known, Roth conversion, for example, being a, you know, a very popular one. Nevertheless, you need to consider the interactions the fact, and there can be unintended consequences from some particular financial activity that you have, you know, made. And as a result, that needs to be incorporated into IRMA and other cost considerations, especially since, for example, pre-Medicare pre health insurance 
easily approach exceeding a thousand dollars a month even that for example is very much part of the overall financial planning process for sure so so you suggest that people really start looking at this and thinking about this two years prior to um to the first person in their family turning 65. Um, what do they need to do two years out? Right, Jean, and, the, and you can understand that what I was saying with respect to Irma, that since the IRS is looking backwards at your, at your income, your taxable income, you really do need to think about it even in advance of that period. So that's why I you know, created this idea of two years. And that's kind of the latest time you know, in my mind, meaning that you'll want to take very good stock about where you stand, what your sources of income will be, how much you're going to be taxed on it, and then adjust those plans, perhaps modify your strategies and that can always go all the way to, for example, your investment strategy, where asset placement and the taxation of those investments is different. And as a result, the ripple effect can be to change your premiums, whether that be in Medicare, whether that be under the Affordable Care Act. And the impact here is not in the tens of dollars. This is a thousands of dollars a year difference. I, I know a lot of people are looking at Roth conversions this year. The markets are down. You have the ability to convert more shares for fewer tax dollars, right? But this is one of those things that you have to be careful of from a Medicare perspective. It gets complicated. Can you give us an example excuse me, an example of how this can essentially mess you up. Sure. So for example, as you rightly pointed out, Roth conversions make intuitive sense, meaning, you know, the logic, the rationale makes sense. You're paying tax today in order to not pay tax on distributions or capital gains in the future. That makes entire sense. That said, at the time you convert, you are recording taxable income. And for that year, for example, now the IRS sees this, they're going to add, that is, you're going to be taxed on it, you can be assessed in IRMA. And so you can see the error that could be made because in a Medicare space, though there are distinct cutoffs, distinct tiers of income where which trigger different Medicare Irma levels. It's even more dramatic prior to turning 65 because under the Affordable Care Act, the Inflation Reduction Act, which has extended the Affordable Care Act tax subsidies, tremendous differences. For example, in Florida, for example, a married couple prior to Medicare eligibility has saved using ourselves over $20,000 a year in health insurance premium because of the fact they did not make that kind of error. Otherwise, they would have had to not get the tax subsidy, in which case 
they would have to pay the full sticker price of health insurance premium, Florida amongst the most expensive locations in the country. So we didn't anticipate that Gene would lead us down this path. The reality is we didn't have a script. We don't have a script. I don't like to deal with scripts, to be candid with you. But nevertheless, this is in fact the case. We, I've been making this point in a number of different locations here on this channel, on Jay's Corner, thestreet.com, wherever I've been able to speak, I've been making to this point for persons who are thinking about retirement prior to being Medicare eligible. That simply is the fact that the Affordable Care Act has this tax credit, APTC. People don't understand it well. It is not Medicaid. Instead, it is linked to your current income. The fact of your higher taxable income can be used against you in the sense that you don't get the APTC, which means that your health insurance premiums can remain at the sticker price, the full price for a 60-year-old, for example, in the middle of the country is $1,000 a month, right? Which could be lower, dramatically so, if you correctly understood the APTC and utilized it. That said, the trade-off can be that you would end up having to pay for IRMA later as you withdraw from your qualified funds locations, your 401k, your IRA. If this sounds complicated, it is. If you think you can do it by, at home by yourself, yeah, maybe in theory you can. However, it's a lot better. I'm biased right? Certified financial planner, person who un understands these nuances all the way down to asset location and the taxation of particular types of investment strategies, right? Which means that am I going to be biased and say, hey, you know, it's too easy to overlook a detail here. And now you can understand why I didn't want to keep going down this path because the reality is I could have come up with two different scenarios and now all of a sudden, it's an hour and a half later. Nevertheless, I did want to break in here because this is overlooked and worth thousands of dollars, either in over too high of health insurance premium or possibly the fact that you're missing out on opportunities to retire early when you wanted to. For example, in the situation that one spouse is Medicare eligible and the other one is not. Let's continue. You make a really important point. Actually, you're, you made two in, in your last sentence, and I want to unpack them just a little bit. The first is that costs for these things, costs for premiums, they're not the same around the country. Absolutely correct. Uh, the costs vary wildly, uh, candidly, uh, based on your location, population, index, cost of living index, certainly very, very different. That said, for example, it is rare for someone 60 and above, between 60 and 65, the time they become eligible for Medicare, they can expect the full retail price, if you will, of silver, gold plans to be in the very high hundreds to over $1,000 per person per month. 
The second point that you made is that you saved people money because they work with you. And, and you work as a consultant, helping people make decisions about Medicare, about Social Security. Um, I, I've worked with the Alliance for Lifetime Income since its inception now. I've also done work for years with AARP. And so I know, you know, these are these are decisions that sometimes people make off the cuff. I've, I've seen studies that, you know, there are polls that point to the fact that people spend um, more time planning a vacation than they do choosing a health plan. Um, and that people don't think before they sign and start taking their social security. Talk about the need to not do this rashly. Why, why is it important to get help with these decisions overall? I think it's a difficult challenge, Jean. Uh, in fact, I started an entirely new newsletter, which is different than Maximize Your Medicare, called Jay's Corner, because of the fact that these different topics that may look and feel like entirely different ones are in fact interrelated. And unfortunately, or fortunately, for whatever set of reasons, historical reasons, we're being told, informed, educated about each topic separately by whoever that expert it would be, whatever press clipping you might read. But the reality is, as we've just discussed even in 20 minutes, is the fact that the ripple effects, for example, on Roth conversion are much more than just simple defer taxes later because you don't want to pay capital gains tax in, in the future. But then you need to now layer in the fact that you may be inadvertently costing yourself something, giving away the entire anticipated benefit that you originally started that strategy, that path. And that is kind of the reason that's our world now i don't think we're going backwards no no and in fact i i i saw a statistic um just last week that the amount of money that's at stake here is far greater than than people might suspect that a 60 a 65 year old couple healthy today um could end up spending an additional $280,000 on non-reimbursed healthcare expenses starting at age 65. And that, that is equal to the amount that they're gonna pull in from social security. So if you if you make mistakes with these decisions out of the gate, you're, you're costing yourself quite easily tens, if not upward of 20, 30, $40,000. And, and and most of us, especially with inflation as it is today, cannot cannot afford to be making decisions that way. So, so let's go back to a couple of the decisions that that people need to be dealing with in real time. Right before you turn sixty-five, you hit the point of having to um, start making decisions. Start taking action. Walk us through what you have to do with Medicare and what happens if you don't take the appropriate action. So you are 
able to apply for Medicare three months prior to the month that you turn 65. There are nuances to that. Uh, crazy people write books with 100 footnotes in it. Uh, but generally, the base case is three months prior to the month that you turn 65, you can apply with the Social Security Admin Administration. They are the sole determinant of your eligibility and they will set your coverage date. You rightly point out, Gene, that people hesitate here uh, because, for example, they may be working, they may be covered by their spouse, their spouse who is employed and covered by health insurance. I encourage people to be careful here. There can, while the base case has been I'm covered by my very large employer with great insurance and et cetera. I think that people, while that the conclusion can be that, I think it's still very important for people to actually go through the steps to compare just to verify that that path is the best path for that household. I can't stress that enough because as you know, if you're the spouse of, a, of an employee, the employer may not be paying the lion's share of the premium, in which case cost of health insurance could actually be under Medicare as opposed to your employer-sponsored plan compared to your retiree-sponsored plan. Are there tools that you recommend people use in order to run those comparisons and make those decisions? Actually, no. You know, that's this is a question I this is the first time I've ever been asked this question, Gene. Congratulations. I thought I've learned every question. But there's not really a shortcut here. Because, for example, let's say the spouse had a particular health situation requiring very, very high healthcare service usage, then that entire could change the, the balance compared to the spouse who is Miss Perfect or Mr. Perfect, for example, never uses healthcare services, doesn't require them. The choices are so different. And then finally, the employer portion, right? Employers maybe trying to do the right thing, whether it be small or large employer by contributing to an employee's spouse's health insurance premium. That said, there's not a rule for what percentage. So as a result, the math of money will vary so wildly. And then, of course, then there's the coverage matter, meaning that different insurance have different coverage. Generally speaking, Medicare, very high quality coverage, but with different language that people need to learn as they transition to from pre-Medicare to Medicare. On this question here, I'm thinking to myself as I'm, you know, watching, I'm thinking to myself as I'm watching, you know, I'm sure I've said something wrong. I'm sure I've said something wrong. I'm sure I've said something wrong. I got to get the marbles out of my mouth. I look terrible. Answer, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I actually said what I wanted to say. Oh my God. All right. That said, I do want to add some extra details here. This is wildly overlooked. Sometimes 
Life hands you a situation and all of a sudden you've got to hit fast forward. You've got to hit fast forward. You've got to take up my book. You've got to eat and swallow and understand every last detail under duress. I get it. There isn't a good shortcut. There's no boilerplate here. There's no tool. Gene's question, as I stated, it's the first time someone's asked me the question whether or not someone has a tool. The reason there's no tool is because there's no shortcut. The number of moving parts pieces here is enormous. Are you married? Are you single? Are you working at a small employer? Are you working at a large employer? Do you have high health care costs? Does your spouse have high health care costs? Does your employer contribute a lot towards you alone? Does the employer contribute a lot towards you and your spouse? Does your employer require you to pay the lion's share? All of those things must be considered in order, in the correct order, and then you compare it to Medicare. So you've got to have the facts, the list of facts correct, even before you understand the language of, of Medicare. What ends up happening is people are overwhelmed. They just gloss over it. And especially for those persons who are eligible for Medicare prior to the age of 65, it is not hundreds of dollars a year. It's not thousands of dollars over a span of a decade. It is tens of thousands of dollars in financial difference either in overpayment of premium or under receipt of benefits. To Jay, that's six of one, half dozen of the other. It's why I had to go under and answer Gene's question that carefully and to say, look, you don't just get to gloss over and just make a snap conclusion. I wouldn't do that because like I said, the difference is thousands and in, it's not always negative here because the reality is if you can understand Medicare and the choices, that the receipt of your benefits is of huge financial value if you know what you're doing. Let's return. I would love to talk a little bit more about that language, but before we get there, when you decide, okay, it's Medicare time, you come up against another crossroads and you have to decide, do I want original Medicare with a Medigap Advantage plan? Or no, I got the I got the lingo wrong. Do I want original Medicare with a Medigap plan or do I want a Medicare Advantage plan? What's the difference? This could be a, a series of, of uh, conversations between us, Jean. Let me try to summarize though. Medigap is a standardized, grandfathered policy. It is letters A through N. Gene's insurance company, Plan G, is the same as Jay's insurance company, Plan G, down to the letter. Now, once you meet the Part B deductible, in most cases, there are literally no out-of-pocket costs. You can go to the doctor every day. You can have durable medical equipment all of the time. As long as federal Medicare approves that healthcare service, Medigap will cover the balance, full stop. That said, 
the premiums are not zero and they will increase with time and as you age not based on your claims but on the claims of your you and your fellow policyholders in your location generally speaking that is the you know without getting too far into the weeds that's how i would summarize medigap medicare advantage is very different the entire setup and construct is different meaning that medicare advantage is annual contract that means every feature every cost every detail is subject to change annually and this is that period that you can change among medicare advantage plans available in your zip code to be effective january 1st when i consider medicare advantage i tell people in my book and then you know over the phone however many people will listen to me is to say you need to understand how the network works that the way to lower your cost the way to have the greatest access to healthcare services that you want is to make sure you understand the network which will vary from medicare advantage plan to medicare advantage plan most of the time medicare advantage plan do does include prescription drug benefits and other extra benefits kind of the subject of all the tv commercials and things like you would hear those are all true that those are embedded inside of medicare advantage they don't you're exist talking, inside of medicare. you're talking about things like dental and vision and silver sneakers right the exercise yeah. plan um, so how do you decide? I mean, if you're, if you are, if you are, if we think about, um, Medicare Advantage, like an HMO, right? And original Medicare with a Medigap plan, a little more like a PPO, how, how do you know, based on your own health and based on your own wallet, which is right for you? And I, I know this is a very wide ranging question, but are there some general guidelines that you could give us to help? I tell persons that if those persons are knowingly with a serious medical condition, serious health situation, that they have a health history that they have to be exceptionally careful with, then I generally say that if their budget allows, Medigap is the proper starting point. And the reason simply is that things happen, they can go to the doctor, there can be other consequences, etc. ongoing monitoring or services required. That while the monthly premium will be higher than Medicare Advantage, that because of the security of the language of the contract because of the fact that nobody can cancel except yourself that this is the more stable contract that said i'm a financial person first bond trader first i didn't say price irrespective of price so now you can see how challenging it is now their gene miss perfect who right who is but for example many americans living on social security check to check well, now that $1,500 a year, and that's just an overall number, that represents a large amount of money. 
for a person over the year. And so now if you're Miss Perfect, you're Mr. Perfect. And in that financial situation, it's not my role. I, I don't consider it my role to attach my value judgment to your money. It's more that do you understand exactly you know, the basis on what you're choosing and if life changes, how you will adjust to it. Medicare Advantage but is certainly going to change. That that fifteen hundred dollars, though, that you threw out, and I understand it's a it's a number that could change over time. But that that's basically a, a difference at the start of of the relationship between what you might pay for Medigap and Medicare Advantage. I think that that like that will change from state to state and location to location. But I think that that is a very decent starting point, male to female plus Part D, which you need to have under Medigap. So you everyone has to have Part A and Part B that we spoke about right at the beginning of your show. Yeah. On top of that, $125, let's call it, and then Part D, 10 to $25. You add that. You multiply by 12, you get to 1500 pretty much. Medicare Advantage, in most locations in the country, we can find the highest quality plans that have no additional premium. You still need to be enrolled in Part A and Part B. Speaking of enrolling, um, Janet mentions the penalty that you pay if you don't enroll. Um, if you wait to enroll in Medicare. I, I believe there's a couple of them actually for Part B and Part D. Can you explain who is subject to these penalties, how long they last, and how to avoid paying them entirely? Well, certainly you avoid the entirely the entirety by preparing early. Right. So in other words, if you've if you considered it, if they followed your uh, guideline of two years prior, then they will know that they've got to enroll. You are right. There is both a Part B and Part D late enrollment penalty. These penalties never expire. They never expire. So they get assessed differently. You need to have proof of health insurance coverage. Separately, you need to have proof of prescription drug coverage that meets Medicare's minimum standard called credible coverage. In the absence of that, there are two different calculations regarding how much you would have to pay, which is either 10% per year that you delayed Part B or 1% per month that you would have to pay on top of premiums for, for Part D or prescription. 10% per year for Part B, 1% per month for Part per D. That okay. is right. All right. I, I understand. I mean, look, we want to avoid penalties sure. at all costs. The other thing that I think we want to avoid is making a decision that we can't take back. Um, hmm. it, it's my understanding, and, and correct me again if I'm wrong, but that if you... Um, that although you are allowed to swap around Medicare Advantage plans, if you think that later in your life you might want a Medigap plan, you should really be taking it out of the gate because once you're past that initial enrollment, um, they don't have to take you, correct? And they don't have to take you at the same rate. Can you talk through that a little bit? 
Sure. So I mentioned the cost differential of $1,500 just a few moments ago. I tell persons just this principle as an idea, the right to change, you correctly stated it, which is you have unrestricted right to change from Medigap to Medicare Advantage. Unrestricted. Every During this period of a year, you've been on Medigap, you say, I want the other benefits from Medicare Advantage that are very important to me. I don't have a problem with the network. I understand Medicare Advantage. I can switch. That is unrestricted. However, from Medicare Advantage to Medigap, that is restricted, meaning that six months six months from the date that you turn on Part B, which is the second line on the federal Medicare card, you have the automatic acceptance. It is Medigap open enrollment. Once that window closes, I tell persons in public, in presentations, the carrier commands control. They get to ask you what they want. They can deny your application. They can charge you a higher rate if based on their findings. You've lost control of that at that point. And that is then should be considered as part of the price difference that you're paying more for Medigap than Medicare Advantage on a monthly basis. And yet, I know that we are talking about the things that you don't want to do, and we're, we're, we're delving into the things that you need to be careful of. You and I had a conversation before this interview, and you said it gets no better than Medicare. You are you are an, an unabashed fan, I think, of, of the Medicare program and the, and the care that it provides for people. So talk to us a little bit about that. I mean, my husband is, is 66 years old. A lot of his friends are, are on Medicare at this point. I've heard some of them describe it as, oh my gosh, I got a raise. Um, this can be a big and positive financial difference in the life of people. You just may need some help in order to get it right from a social security advisor, a Medicare advisor, and a financial advisor. I think that's right, Jean. And when I say that I'm a fan of Medicare, I draw on my experience from global financial markets, which is that I have been on the writing end of very complex financial instruments where the definitions are almost indecipherable uh, and changing all the time because that's the right, the creator's right. Under Medicare, the federal government is defining the terminology. The carriers to gene, Medigap carriers, Gene's insurance company, Jay's insurance company, we have no leeway to debate what these, this terminology means at all. We have a contract that has to be identical to each other. The same thing in Medicare Advantage. Each of those contracts are approved by the federal government that they have to meet particular standards. When you're talking about other complex financial instruments, index universal life, guaranteed universal life, deferred income annuity, et cetera. The carriers are defining all of this fine print. Under Medicare, that's simply not the case. I couldn't speak more highly of the questions, the pacing, the tone of Gene's questions. I mean, 
it really gets no more polished or better than jean so much so that i even put on a, a you know a suit coat i, I had short, i had i had sweat shorts on underneath don't worry i had sweat shorts on underneath don't worry subscribers to jay's corner subscribers to the newsletter know this which is that you should have picked up on the idea that medicare candidly speaking is the shallow end of the pool that as far as contracts go, health insurance, financial contract, Medicare being a sub, subsection inside of the category of health insurance that I've experienced in far more complicated documents regarding far more complicated financial setups. And my evaluation of Medicare is as I stated, which is that since the federal government is defining the key benchmarks, the key goalposts on which Medicare coverage is defined. From that stable base, the carriers, whether they be Medigap carrier or Medicare Advantage carrier, have to play ball within those boundaries. Under Medigap, very clear, which is the coverage is in stone, period. As long as you pay premium, your coverage is known. For some of you, the extra cost is going to be worth it. For others of you, the cost is not going to be worth it. It's worth the financial risk. Both can coexist. The idea of never is candidly blasphemy to me. It's a disservice. It is too extreme. The issue is that under Medicare Advantage, that the carriers do have leeway inside those boundaries. So far, They've used those boundaries to enhance benefits, whether that be dental, vision, embedding it inside of Medicare Advantage. Drug costs can be lower under Medicare Advantage than it is under a standalone Part D plan. That is entirely possible and explained by the fact that the monies that are coming to Medicare Advantage carriers are being distributed towards enhanced Medicare Advantage prescription drug coverage. That all said, the confusion over Medicare Advantage plans is going to result in controversies. You can see headlines. There are other videos here on the channel and on Jay's Corner talking about these controversies. Those controversies likely not to go away. What it is not is a political matter or a philosophical matter for me. That's a different channel. That's it. I'm that's a different channel. That's a political statement you might be making. That's a philo philosophical statement you might be making. Candidly speaking, I'm not interested in that, that debate with you. What I am interested in is making sure the fact that you understand these differences right from the beginning so that you can understand that the ramifications from the choices that you make can be far reaching. From there, my guidance, candidly speaking, is agnostic. If it's worth it to you to save that money because you need to prioritize those funds for other parts of life, so be it. If you value the stability of Medigap above all else, so be it. Both are completely acceptable. Some people have written to me to say, 
Jay, it seems like you mean A. It seems like you're saying B. No, neither of those is going to be the case. I'm just trying to make it clear for you. And then most importantly, when you're in retirement, as the probability of requiring health care services increases, of course, that's a natural, naturally the case. Everyone is getting older, ourselves included, that this becomes the most variable unknown cost. And so to be to be able to have control, unrestricted access with no discrimination based on location, net worth, etc. There's absolutely no barrier to entry to the highest quality contract at a time that is most critical. That's why I'm a fan of Medicare and crazy people, like I said, even writing books about it. Absolutely. And and you have a you have a very good one. Um, Jay, thank you so much for, for all of the time, for all of the great information. If our listeners want to reach out to you, whether they want to talk to you about their Medicare needs or whether they want to sign up for your newsletter, Jay's Corner, which I highly recommend, um, tell me where they can find you. Best place is actually Jay's Corner. There's a free and paid newsletter. It's J-A-E-O-H, my first and last name, dot substack.com. Multiple times a, a week, little tidbits about other aspects, not only about Medicare, other parts of your financial life. And then you can, there are links to reach out to me directly on a private basis. That's not a problem. First call's always free to handle inquiries from everywhere. And if you're looking for additional information from us about choosing a financial advisor or about your needs um, for guaranteed income, you can find our website at protectedincome.org with more information on this conversation at protectedincome.org slash O. Jay, thank you so much. And um, I hope to talk to you again soon. That would be great, Jean. Thanks for having me again. Thanks for watching, everybody. See you next time. Bye. Hopefully you've liked today's video. Hopefully my insights on the, in addition to the questions as answered, provided some extra info on top. Be sure to like, subscribe, follow this channel, subscribe to Jay's Corner. Make sure that someone else you know has this information. Do what you need to do to stay up to date. The world's going to change. We can't get away from that. What we can do is change along with it. Thanks.